You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Mrs. Brown was joking when we were going upstairs. Um, she said, you, I should probably be helping you. And that's probably more like it. <laughs> uh, I got uh, some stiff joints in my knees and my foot, but doing all right. Amen. We're going to jump off in John chapter 3 and verse 16 this morning. <clears throat> this verse, um, we get so used to it, most of us can quote it, but there's so much in it, so much in it. God's love is so great, as David was already expressing this morning, his love is just so unbelievable. It's just it's, it's hard to, to comprehend it in our finite bodies. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. <clears throat> We were all there at one point. If you're saved today, you were on that side that you were condemned already. And a crowd this size, there could be someone sitting here that's filling those shoes today. The Bible says if you've not believed on him, you're condemned. You're condemned. Maybe there's someone out there in online, or maybe not. Uh, is it up and running? Okay, they're giving me the thumbs up. It is running. Um, maybe there's someone out there that doesn't know the Lord is their Savior. And as David said this morning, no better day than today. You don't know when your last time is. Um, just last week, or I guess it's two weeks now, I had a very good friend of mine, uh, same age as me, uh, was driving home from a camping trip with his wife. And his wife was driving, and he said, oh, no. And he was gone. I was able to witness to that man last summer when I went home, and I just hope and pray that he received the Lord, but it's that quick, folks. You never know when your time is up. I have another friend of mine, a preacher. This was many years ago, but uh, his 12-year-old nephew sitting in school slumped his head over on the desk and was gone. Death has no discrimination against age. And we're all condemned before we receive the Lord. So this morning, I'm going to preach a message to you that follows the love of Christ and follows what he did on the cross. You know, the other night when we prayed, David got up and uh, he prayed right before me. And I started checking off all the things I had written down to pray for as he prayed them. <laughs> and uh, that's a blessing. We're on the same page and the Holy Spirit's moving. And so this morning he talked about half of my message. So it's going to be a short message. That's good. Got a lot of echoing up here. I don't know. Can you hear that out there or is it just up here? Wow, it's echoing a lot. But anyways, let's um, turn over to 2 Peter in chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. God sent his son to die for the sins of the world. In 2 Peter in chapter 3 and verse 9, 
It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. Ezekiel chapter 18 says, He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that they might repent. No pleasure in the death of the wicked. Now, when, I don't know how you think about it, but when I think of wicked, I think different than just maybe a lost sinner that doesn't know any better. The wicked are those that want to be wicked. The wicked are those that know God and deny God. And even then, God says, I've got, I have no pleasure in their death. He says, I don't want to see them die because the end result is not just a physical death, but it's an eternity in a place called hell. And God's love is so great he died for the sins of the whole world. You've heard me say it before. You know, you, you go over to Romans chapter 5, and it talks about, you know, someone even dare to die for a righteous man, right? Let me ask you something. How many of you, how many have ever clicked on the computer and looked at the list of the child molesters in your neighborhood? I guarantee there's one on your block somewhere or close by. Now if their house was on fire, would you go in? Some of you, some of you say, oh well, yeah, I'd go in and save them. Would you go in if they had molested your child? But Christ died for that person. And you know, we think of, we think of ourselves as cleaned up and washed up and everything, and we are by the blood of Christ. But your sins aren't any better. And such were some of you. And we, th we think about that murderer, that, you know, he's, he's just a terrible guy. Well, you look at Proverbs chapter 6. Have you ever told a lie? I'm sorry, you rank right up there with the murderer, according to God. He hates lying. But he died for the sins of the whole world, for each and every person. Everyone has that chance to be saved. That's a love that I, I just, in our finite bodies, it's hard to comprehend that. It's amazing. <clears throat> in 2 Timothy in chapter 2, it says that he, he wills all men to be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. And sorry, ladies, it says he wills all men to be saved. I'm <laughs> not sure about the ladies. No, I'm just kidding. Right now, you know, in my old church, this would be the time they start yelling, that's why you're not married. Just for those people out there in t TV land, uh, I mean, when you see a generic man, understand that you're a woman. It means mankind. Amen? And there's only one way to heaven, and that's through the way. John 14, 6, Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. One way to heaven, and that's it. Oh, well, what about Buddha? What about Gandhi? Right? What about the JWs and the Mormons and the Muslims and on and on and on? What about this? What about that? If Jesus Christ is who he said he was, he just said there's only one way. Oh, you mean all these people? I had a, almost started a riot in a jail ministry one time. I don't know if I ever told this story here before or not, but I was just preaching on Jesus Christ in one way. And one guy kept raising his hand, you know, there's always that guy. Right? 
well, what about this? What about that? And he kept going on and on about his sister that was a JW. And he said, so you're telling me my, my sister who's a Jehovah Witness is going to hell? I said, sir, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. That's what I'm telling you. You must be born again. Or you're telling me my sister, she's been devout. She's a, I'm saying JW. I think that's what it was. I don't, I don't recall now. It's been so many years. But he's just going on and on. He finally he wouldn't let it go. He wouldn't let it go. So finally, he says, you're telling me that if she didn't believe... You know, that, through, that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, he's going to hell. And I said, yes, sir, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, it, it, the room blew up because he started screaming. People started standing up. And now there's no guards in there. We're in the back of the room. The exit's all the way at the other end. And my buddy's sitting there going, uh-oh. <laughs> People start screaming and yelling, standing up. They're hollering at each other. And this big old boy on the front row stands up. I mean, this guy was huge. He stands up and he goes, do you mind? I would like to hear what the man had to say. Everybody sat down. <laughs> I was going, oh, thank you, Lord, for that man. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's a lot of controversy based on who Jesus Christ is. And I, if you read the scriptures... You know, when we lead someone to Christ, we, we, we explain to them how to be saved. But, you know, if you don't believe Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, how can you be saved? How could you be saved? He said that, that if, if you don't believe who he is, then you're rejecting the Father himself in 1 John. <clears throat> so you got all these people that say, oh, we're the same and we believe the same. Oh, yeah. I was once door knocking, and this is a result of the Holy Spirit. I think I've told you guys this probably, but I don't normally delve this far into a conversation when I'm at the door. But I, you know, I said, introduce myself, ask them, you know, if they go to church, oh, yes. And I asked them, okay, well, are you born again? And she said, yes, I'm born again. And normally you'd stop right there. But I don't know, the Holy Spirit said, just keep asking. I said, okay, so you've received Christ as your Savior. Oh, yes, I've received Christ as your Savior. I went through about three, four different ways of saying it. And then I said, do you believe Jesus Christ was God in the flesh? And she said, oh, no, I don't believe that. And I said, well, then you cannot call yourself a Christian. You can't call yourself a Christian when you don't believe what Jesus Christ himself said. But they do. You have a lot of people using the terminology now because they know uh, there's a stigma if they don't. Um, and, you know, and, and I'll mention uh, Catholics, they do believe in salvation through Jesus Christ, just they don't preach that. They preach having to come through their church, but they didn't used to use the term born again. Never. You'd knock on a door and say, hey, you know, I'm so-and-so from the, the Baptist church down here. You know what they used to say 20 years ago? Anybody know? Anyone Catholic here? Used to be Catholic anyways? No thanks, I'm Catholic. Standard answer. But now they use the term born again and they use the term Christian. And, you know, so do the, you know, the JWs say they believe in Jesus and uh, it's not the same Jesus, folks. It's not the same Jesus. In John chapter 3, Jesus answered uh, Nicodemus and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. One way. Well, you could say all you want 
uh, about us thinking it's, oh, you just think you're the only way. No, Jesus Christ said there's one way. And God himself came, came down and died on the cross for you and I. And this world, who do we think we are to argue with God? You can say whatever you want. You can have whatever belief system you want. You can think I'm a nut. You can think I'm crazy. But I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. And I, and I know that he was God in the flesh. He's the physical embodiment of God. Look at 1 Timothy in chapter 3. 1 Timothy in chapter 3. Now listen, our message is not always pleasant. Now, you know, I mentioned some different religions. And you know what? I would say, other, other than, maybe help me out here now, other than Baptists in America, you have two other groups that you'll see door to door. What are they? Mormons and JWs. And they are religious about it, aren't they? They're out, they believe what they believe. I don't condemn a person for that. We just need to show them the light. We need to show them the truth. Um, when they come, and I haven't had one in a lot of years come to my door, but uh, normally there'll be one younger one and one older one or one that's more experienced. And I will take the time to read some of the verses we're going to read today. Why? Because I want the Word of God to get into their hearts so that they can realize, hey, nobody ever showed me that. Um, and I have had that. I, I've actually been at the door with... Um, um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, apologetics. So I've been at a door with a man that was from a Catholic church that was into apologetics. That's where it's the study of um, the doctrines of your belief. And so a person is expert in that and able to dispute uh, for their cause. I've been at the door with them. I, I've been, you know, talking with, I've talked with Mormons. I've talked with JWs. Um, and, and I'm going to, take to some of those verses that I use. Why? Because it all comes down to who Jesus Christ is. All of it does. Everything we stand on. Now he proved who he was by raising from the grave, did he not? All the miracles he did and then he rose from the grave. Um, if he's still in the tomb, then 1 Corinthians 15 says, we're all men most miserable. We're, we're, we're dead in our sins, just the same as anyone else. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. What's that mean, manifest? Anybody know? Say it loud. Can you? Made known, evident, without controversy. Manifest means it is right out there. It's clear. All right? He came down and was put in the flesh. He became man. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, this is a, this is a verse that I will, I will use with them, because I'll ask them before I read the verse, Who is the Word? And they know who the Word is. They'll say, Jesus Christ. I said, okay, then I'll read this verse. The Word was God. In verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory, right? He was made flesh. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7. Now this is a verse that they'll tear apart all the time. It's kind of funny because I've had this happen too where I say, hey, can I just read some verses? And they'll tell me, well, you'll just interpret it. You'll just, you'll just interpret it the way you want. I say, no, I'm just going to read it. And I've read this verse before. For there are three, 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And that person said, and that, that, instead of stopping at one, he said, purpose. I said, excuse me? One purpose or one purpose. And I said, who just added to the Word? I said, I didn't interpret it. I just read it. And then you put your your opinion on it. It says they are one. Sometimes it's hard to, you know, fathom or figure out that trinity, but they are one. In John 14, 9, uh, Jesus talking to, uh, to Philip, and he said, He that has seen me has seen the Father. Can't get much more clear than that. Amen? I don't have this in my notes, but this is one that I use when I'm, when I'm witnessing... Um, to Mormons or JWs. Go to Isaiah in chapter 9. And this is how I'll do it. I'll start off by reading this in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And I'll stop and I'll ask him, who's that talking about? And they'll tell you, Jesus Christ. All right, well, let's read further. Government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God. The Son is the Mighty God. Now, I've had him tell me, well, it doesn't say Almighty. (laughs) Are you kidding me? God, capital G. He's God. The everlasting Father. Well, how can the Son be the Father? Because they are one. He's the physical representation. You know, the Bible says no man has seen God at any time, right? You can't look upon Him. But when you see a physical manifestation of God in the Old Testament, is Abraham talking to Him, right? different times that God appeared to to different people. That's the physical representation of God. That's Jesus Christ. He's the physical representation of God. He is the word, the mouthpiece for God. And in 1 John in chapter 1, it talks about how uh, um, that we have seen him, we have heard him, we've we've touched him, we've handled him. He was physically on earth and represented God the Father in the flesh. So how could you possibly be saved if you don't believe that? He said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. And then you'll have somebody tell you, oh, well, uh, he's the Son. He's not, you know, he's not the Father. He's just the Son. Or he is a God. Not the God. No, there's only one God. There's a lot of small g gods, false gods. No, there's only one true God. And that's our God. One way to heaven. Amen. 
you know, you may say, you've heard people say it, well, you know, there's a lot of good people out there, or that's just your way, you know, there's a lot of ways to, to heaven. No, it's a straight and narrow path. And that straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, that's how it's spelled in your Bible, it doesn't mean difficult. Some of the new Bibles will change that to hard or difficult. What it means is one specific route, one way. Otherwise, how would you, how would you correlate that when he says, you know, uh, come unto me, all, all you that are uh, heavy laden, right? He says, I will give you rest. He says, my burden is what? It's light, it's easy. The simplicity in Christ. It's easy, it's not hard, but it's one way. Now these people that believe that it's based on good. Oh, well, I'm a good person. The good does not outweigh the bad. It's not the way you think it works. Is it based on good and bad? Well, it sort of is, but not the way you think it is. If you are good and you have no bad, well, yep, you can go to heaven. Jesus Christ said there's none good. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Amen? No matter how good you are, you're still a sinner. And you have to pay for that sin. Let me give you an example here. Let's say there's a, a man's been arrested and he's in court. We used murder earlier. It's easy, easy for us to think of, of murder because most of us have not murdered. Raise your hand if you murdered someone. Anybody? I'll just keep an eye on you. Most of us haven't done that, so we like to use that as one that we're not touched by, right? Well, let's say he's in, he's in the courtroom and he's been arrested for murder. They go through the trial and he's found guilty. The judge finds him guilty and the penalty is going to be life in prison. And before he's taken away, his lawyer or his advocate says, Judge, Father, I know that so-and-so is guilty. I know that Daniel's guilty. I know that Rick is guilty. I know that Ken is guilty. Put your name in there. But I don't want them to have to suffer in prison for the rest of their lives, in hell for the rest of their lives. Father, may I take his place? May I take her place? And the father says, well, if they'll receive you and the atonement that you will provide, then they can go free. And so your lawyer or advocate, Jesus Christ, turns to you and says, will you receive me? Will you let me take your place? Now you have a choice at that point. Everyone has a choice. They have a choice. They can say, no, I'm going to pay for my own sins. You have that choice. But it's for an eternity in hell. And Christ says, but if you'll just receive me, you can go. Your crimes, your sins will be forgiven. Everyone has that choice. What will they do with it? That's the question. Jesus Christ is that way to the Father. 
<clears throat> we use the example of murder, but again, you think about that list in Proverbs 6 of the, uh, there are th six things that God hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him. Two deal with lying, a false witness, amen, proud look, <laughs> everybody's guilty. Everybody's guilty. A friend of mine, preacher, he's with the Lord now. He was telling me about a woman he was witnessing to. And it's good to use the Ten Commandments when you're witnessing to somebody just to, to show them that they're a sinner. But he went down through it and she said, Nope, I've never done that, never done that. Oh, yep, I'm, I've never sinned. And, he's, and, and he said, Wow, you must be proud of yourself. She said, Yes, I am. And he says, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> We've all sinned, amen. And if a judge is a righteous judge, then he must judge righteously. And no matter if that person was good their whole life and then says, I'll never do it again. It was just a fit of anger and I killed this person and I'll never do it again. And I mean, you could justify it however you want. If he's a righteous judge, he can't let that person go. He has to judge them. So it doesn't matter how good you are. If you've ever sinned, the penalty for sin, according to Romans chapter 6, is death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Hell is permanent. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. I, I, I use the term hell, but you'll find um, a difference between the term hell and lake of fire. I don't want to get into specifics on things but at the end of all of all things when all is uh, come up before God and he's judging everybody at the great white throne those that are not found written in the Lamb's book of life are going to be thrown into the lake of fire remember what we started with God has no pleasure in the death of the wicked does not want anyone to go there no matter what that's why he died salvation is as easy as a b C. A, admit you're a sinner. We talked about Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, verse 10 and verse 23. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. If you'll admit that in your heart, that's the first step. If you don't admit that, then what need have you of a Savior? If you think there's another way to do it, then you're calling Jesus Christ a liar. So either he was a liar and a charlatan or, or he was God. Are you willing to stand up and say that Jesus Christ was a liar? You know, it's funny because he gives you a free will. He'll let you do that. But you're condemned. You're condemned without Christ. So A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe with all your heart. Look at uh, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. <clears throat> now a little background at the beginning of this chapter. Paul says... He's talking about Israel and his heart's desires for Israel to be saved. He always had a heart for his people. Um, he says that they're, that they're going about to establish their own righteousness. How are they doing that? 
through the works of the law, by the letter of the law. You see, they missed the weightier uh, matters of the law, and they were trying to just uh, keep the law to the letter of the law, but had dismissed Christ when he came. And verse 4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So it's by faith, right? For by grace are you saved by what? Faith. Through faith. It's faith. I've said it before. Um, I think of faith as the means by which we apprehend the grace of God. God just chose this was the way we're going to do it. You're going to believe by faith in me. So it's by faith in verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You read the context of these verses here. It's, it's talking about a public confession of Christ. The reason is, is because they didn't want to publicly confess him. They were afraid of the Jews. But he says, if, he says you'll not be ashamed. If you believe who he is, you'll call upon him. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So he's telling them, look, there's no, there, he says, You'll not, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. If, you're, if you truly believe in Jesus Christ, you're not going to be afraid to walk this aisle. If you're afraid to walk the aisle because you're afraid of what people are going to say, you're not ready. Can you do it in your seat? Well, you can. But do you really believe in him? Believe with all your heart. So A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came down to this earth and died for your sins as an atonement for your sins, and he rose again the third day. You have to believe that. That's what happened. And then C, confess or call upon his name. That confession, if you look in verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. We always say confess your sins. It's not really saying confess your sins. We've already done that in the first part. Hey, admit you're a sinner. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I didn't know half the stuff I was doing was sin. So I didn't sit there and list all my sins out. I just admitted that I was a sinner and I deserved to go to hell. So this confession is confessing him as Lord and Savior. It's an outward confession of him. Can you pray in your heart? Yeah, you can pray in your heart. The context here is an outward confession. For He's talking about the Jews that, that uh, saying that you, if you believe in him, you won't be ashamed. You'll confess it with your mouth. And that's true for anybody. For anybody. And he says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. From the jailhouse religion to the church house religion and everything in between, anybody can be saved. 
by simply believing in Jesus Christ, confessing their, their sins, asking Christ to come into, into their heart and save them. You know, folks, it's not a, a, a magic uh, way of doing it either. We think, we think they have to say this certain prayer. You go to Acts chapter 9, and let me ask you something. Did, did Paul pray that, that sinner's prayer? Did Paul sit, kneel down and say, Lord, I, I know I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry for my sins. Please come into my heart and save my soul and take me to heaven when I die. However your little way we do it is. He didn't do that, did he? Do you know what he did? Capital L, Lord, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Right there and then, he confessed him Lord. as Lord. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Whosoever. Notice it doesn't say be good. It doesn't say come to church. You don't ever have to step foot in the doors of a church to be saved. We get to come to church because we're saved. The, the church is for saved people. Is this a salvation message? Yes, it is, but really it's just a glorifying message to God. Do we preach salvation in church? Sometimes we do. But really, church is for the saved person. It's to grow in the Lord. It's to... Uh, to uh, nurture and encourage one another and, and to be trained up in the ways of the Lord and to glorify God. That's what church is for. Amen. That's why we protect the church. It's supposed to be pure. <clears throat> so, it's not about being good because we can't be good. You just simply must believe by faith and call upon his name. So what are you waiting for? Someone out there on the computer, you're sitting at home, what are you waiting for? What would hold you back? What would stop you? Now, I know for my own case, it was stupidity. <laughs> it took me about five months of hearing the preach, and I was very hard-hearted. But you know, there was one day when I, I came up on, on the platform and I prayed with the pastor, and I didn't know how to pray. I was a lost man been out in the world, I was just very hard. And all I prayed was, and it, it may have sounded blasphemous, but I said, okay, God, if you're real and this is all true, you better change my heart because I'm not going anywhere with this heart. That's all I said. And praise God, he did. <laughs> Amen. So maybe you're not there today. Maybe you, you just don't have that faith. Well, in, you, you continue on and read here in Romans chapter 10. It's, he says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to hear more of the word of God. The word of God is alive. It's quick and powerful, dividing to the asunder of the bones and marrow. It, it can get into your heart. The word of God can, can bring you illumination. It can clear out some of that stuff that's muddling your mind. The devil does not want people to be saved. He's filling their heads with a bunch of junk. I mean, even right now, I mean, I don't want to go political and all, but there's a, a virus that had they not named it, it would have come and gone. But they named it. And they made a big deal about it. It would have been a flu virus, Okay. Maybe it, was a, maybe it would have been a bad one. I don't even know because, see, they wouldn't have been taking the tally like they are. Do you all know that every year the flu virus claims a minimum of around 30,000, 35,000 
last year or two years ago it was up in the 60s or more, but they quit counting the flu deaths and started attributing everything to coronavirus. But prior to coronavirus coming out, there was already 35,000 deaths from the common flu. And then as it started to, to get more and more known, there was over 55,000 deaths of the common flu. But did you know the flu was not an epidemic? At the time they called coronavirus an epidemic, there were only 41 deaths in America. And they called it an epidemic. At that time, there were 35,000 deaths from the flu. Folks, people are being deceived. I'm not saying there's no virus. I'm not saying people haven't died from it. But they die from all sorts of other things, too. I'm not going to live my life in fear. And that's what they're doing, is they've got people in fear. I mean, and praise the Lord for all of you that are here today. But, you know, before the virus, there were more people here. Where are they? They need to see the truth, folks. The truth shall make you free. It doesn't set you free. It makes you free. It makes you free. They need to see the truth. So come. Come to the Lord. If you're not saved today, I don't know who you are. God knows. I'm just, we're going to have an invitation. Um, Steve, could you come on up? We're going to have an invitation here. I just invite you to come. If you believe Jesus Christ died for you and you know you're a sinner and you want salvation, come forward today and receive him. You see that all the time. God invites. He doesn't force anybody. He says, come. Come. It's an invitation. If you're not sure, why not make sure? Why not make sure? If you believe everything we talked about this morning, just make sure. Just pray. Some of you are at home. Just pray and ask God into your heart in the best way you know how. You're not going to know every sin you have, but you can admit you're a sinner. You can admit you deserve to die and go to hell. And then you can call out with all your heart and say, Lord, please, please forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. In your own words, pray it and ask Christ into your heart. If you're not sure, make sure. Now, I didn't give you the name of this message until the end. And I'm going to have, um, if we could have the ushers bring those tracks. We'll go ahead and have an invitation here, and then we're going to hand out some tracts. The name of this message is You're Invited. What I did this morning was I preached our invitation tract. Some of you probably knew that as I went down through the verses. It's so easy to just invite somebody. And here's, here's your out. If you're not one of them people that likes to hand out tracts or, or you feel weird about it, whatever, tell them the preacher told you to. All right? You go to your restaurant today, just say, hey, my preacher asked me to give this to you. Hand it out. I told you the true story. I can't remember now which woman it was. It may have been Sandra. It was somebody. I preached a similar message to this, and, I, and it was called Blame It on the Preacher. And I asked people, just go home, and the Lord's laid someone on your heart. Just go home, call that person up. 
and give them the gospel witness to them. I don't care if they've never, you know, they've rejected it and rejected it. And I said, blame it on the preacher. It's easy. You can say, look, my preacher told me to do this, so don't get mad at me. And she did that, and her aunt got saved that day. You don't know. I mean, the Lord's working on somebody's heart today. You don't know that that, that that waitress or waiter may be the last day they have on earth. You know, people are dying. Right? We don't know. You may be the last light that they have. You know, pastor gave a, 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 a part of his testimony about how someone he should have witnessed to, that, that young man, he said his blood is on his hands. I have a story very similar to that where I know God told me to witness to an uncle of mine and I didn't do it. And I had led my mom to the Lord um, a year after I got saved and she was living back there in, in the vicinity and the Lord told me again, you need to go witness to your uncle. And I called my mom and said, hey, would you go witness to uncle so-and-so because... You know, he's on the East Coast, I'm on the West Coast. And, well, she didn't get it done, and two weeks later he was dead. The Lord didn't tell my mom to witness to him. The Lord told me to witness to him. And I don't know whether anyone ever gave him the gospel or not, but I know I didn't. And I regret that. I hope he got saved, but, you know, come time at that judgment seat, I can see my uncle standing looking at me and saying, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? You knew. Let's go ahead and have a song, brother. Maybe the Lord's laid something else on your heart. Maybe you need to pray for somebody. The altar's open. I know it's not the normal kind of message you might have for just an altar call. If you're, but if you're not saved today, come on forward. We'll have somebody talk with you. If you're not sure, make sure today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.